following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Are you happy to be here today? Are you happy? Isn't it fun? It's fun to be in church. This is, uh, this is my happy place. Anytime I come to this house, it's a happy place for me. And this is our happy hour. And what a joy to see all of you today, the 1030 crowd, the second crowd. You've always been the balance. You've always been the, the fulcrum of the seesaw. And uh, normally this is our largest service, normally when we had the building next door. But I got some news for you now, guys. I've got some news for you. If we get this thing poured out here this week, we get it poured, get our steel up, and we're able to get the roof on, if Tom Cook's in the house, get the roof on, and, and get it closed in. We're coming from the inside out and we're coming from the outside in. So we're gonna meet at the joining point of the old building becoming the new building to stretch it 215 feet. So it's like, it's like the Intercontinental Railroad. You know, they started on one end of the country and the other end they met in the middle. I'm so glad the tracks didn't do this. I'm glad they met. But what a joy to be building something and if you look inside on your way out, you'll see sheetrock all over the place. They have slammed sheetrock. We've already passed the sheetrock test on this side. We're excited. We're doing things on the inside. The mezzanine steel is going up. It's going to be incredible. We're going to be dropping concrete in that mezzanine steel so that when you walk up several flights, you can get on that mezzanine and go up another level. And uh, we're going to have some cheap seats way up in the corner. But you're still going to have to give, all right? All right. Even if it's a dollar, you need to give. Would you stand, you're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. Everybody say Christmas, Sunday, December 20. We're going to be worshiping in there. We're going to be worshiping in there. And I'm going to keep that in front of you because I think it's important to keep that in front of you because we have, we have a job to do. I thank you for continuing to support the kingdom of God, for blessing the church. What a joy to have people that even though you weren't here, you kept supporting the kingdom of God. I have friends who have had to shut their churches down because people that left the church and couldn't come failed to support it. You folks are not that kind of people. You're people that love this house and you love this place. And I thank you for it from the bottom of my heart. It's just my thanks to you today. And it's not even Thanksgiving, but thank you. I love you very, very much. And it's an honor to preach to you. I'm gonna speak today on this subject. Lord, I want it back. Say it with me, Lord, I want it back. You want it back? Do you want it back? I'm gonna read a real simple text here today while you're standing. I hope you're standing in the overflow. Overflow, I love you. People that's watching online, we love you. We'll have 1,500 or so, 1,600 watch online today. And our church is gonna be back one day, real, real soon. But this is right after Jesus had healed Jairus' daughter, the ruler had brought Jesus to his house and Jesus had raised his daughter from the dead. And the Bible said, and Jesus went out from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. So their sight was restored. Their sight was restored. I'm gonna do this 
in some quadrants today and I will tell you when I go into the next one. But my preaching will not be lengthy. I hope it impacts your life. I hope it touches your life. Turn to somebody say, I'm going to leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And you may be seated. You're awesome, awesome people. Let me start today by saying that God has given us so many blessings and so many gifts. Could you concur with that? Your health, your health is a gift. We lost a precious man this last week. John Nembrania is such a great man and he passed with complications. He did have COVID, but COVID was not the reason he passed. He had complications with his body and, and he passed and he was a young man, but what a great man he was. And on Wednesday morning right here at 10 o'clock, we're going to honor him and have him a home going. So if you want to come and honor the family, the Nombrania family, we'd appreciate that so much. The gifts of God are what I call capacities, capacities that God has given us. They're opportunities to carry out a particular certain task and a purpose that God wants us to accomplish. In other words, he would not have given you the, the capacity or the gifts and not had a purpose for it. There's a reason why you have them. Like giving you the capacity to sing like these young people up here did today. And then not desire for you to sing after he gave you the opportunity and capacity to sing as if you were not supposed to lift up your voice and sing. Matter of fact, the Bible said, let everything that has breath. Anybody breathing here today? Here's a capacity. You've got breath, you need to praise the Lord. Oh, that was a good response. You need to clap your hands and praise the Lord. And when you don't, when you don't reach that potential and come to full use of the capacity that God's given you, we have a tendency to describe it very well why we can't and we make great excuses. Good reason, fair reasons. The reason I understand, however, what it is that separates those that are able to make full use of what God has gifted them to do, pouring completely out all that God has given them, and from those that pass from this life full of potential and never realizing all that God had for them, what makes the difference? What is the difference? Is it the gifts alone? Is it talent alone? Was it right place? Was it right time? Can I tell you what I see that God has been putting in my heart what the difference maker is. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you and it's gonna be so simple, but I want you to grasp it. The one word that God has given me is a word called courage. That's the word, courage. Courage makes the difference in your faith. I tell you today, the Bible is full of named heroes and what I call female heroes, I call them sheroes that poured out their lives for God and saw great things accomplished in their life. Not because necessarily they were the most gifted, but because they were the most courageous. Can you imagine Joshua filling in for Moses when Moses had died and his story was 40 years in the backside of the desert and then 40 years in the wilderness? My Lord, he spent 80 years prepping for and doing the deliverance thing out of Egypt for those Israelites. And then he passes, goes to Mount Nebo and dies, walks to his own funeral at 120. He still had a lot of strength. 
But Joshua took his place and he follows Moses in leading God's people to the promised land. And God's instructions to Joshua was not, hey, Joshua, be gifted. He already was. It wasn't, hey, Joshua, be talented. He already was. Hey, Joshua, be capable. He already was. Hey, Josh, you might ought to be anointed. He already was. But God gave him clear instructions to him. Be strong and have courage. What the world needs is churches and people in churches that still have courage to look this world square in the eye and say, no, not on my watch. This world is not going to hell in a handbasket, not on my watch. I may be anointed, I may be appointed, but I tell you what I do have, I have courage to say that the church is God's apple of his eye. And he will take this church through every situation that we ever face in life. Clap your hands. The church is will be strong. The Lord is whispering to my spirit. It does not matter how gifted you may be or talented or anointed. If you don't have the courage to put it to use, the enemy knows he doesn't have to steal your gift. If we lack courage to go forward. And at its core, courage is really just an expression of faith. Faith produces courage. Faith produces courage. See, faith will cause you to have the courage to move toward your calling and what God is calling you to do. Now, let me tell you what the New Testament tells us. Jesus is moved by faith. Everybody say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the courage it produces such as in our text today, is faith. Everybody say, my faith produces courage. Now here's the second quadrant. I'm gonna go back to the scripture again in Matthew 9. Two blind men followed him. That's funny. Two blind men followed him. Let me stop. One can read right past this statement and miss it. Then in verse 28, it says the blind man came to him. That's also difficult. I didn't hear Jesus' mouth rolling a lot. They followed and they came. The picture here is very simple. Jesus is moving and blind men are following. The obvious question, folks, is how? How? How can they follow him if they are blind? Can I submit the reason today? I'm gonna put it on the screen. They refused to allow what they didn't have to keep them from pursuing what they were supposed to have. Oh, if you'd let me, I'd preach on that a little bit. Some people may not have some talents in some areas, but they refuse what they don't have to keep them from pursuing what they're supposed to have in their life. Just because they were blind didn't stop them from following him. I'm declaring, you may have some situations in your life that hell says you can't be this, you can't be that. Say, ah, get behind me. I'm gonna follow Jesus Christ even with my limitations. They may not have been able to see him with their eyes, but they refused to settle for life that was less than God's best for them. Come on, somebody, say amen to that. They may not have had their sight yet, But you know what they did have? They had their legs. (laughs) 
They had their hands, they had their feet, and they had their voice. I've come to tell somebody today that God doesn't need what you don't have to do what he wants to do in your life. He'll take what you do have. The prophet asked the woman, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing save a pot of oil. He said, that'll work. You don't have to have all the talent, the ability, the giftedness. These guys didn't let what they did not have keep them from using their faith to produce courage to talk to Jesus about themselves. They stepped out with courage with what they had. Hear me. God has already given you what you need to get you to a miracle. He's already given it to you. Put your hand on your chest and said, God's already got me ready. I'm ready for the miracle he wants to do in my life. For these men, it was their voices and legs. For a paraplegic man that had four men put him on a roof and dig a hole and let him down, it was four men that helped him. God will always have somebody Somebody to get you where you need to be. It may even be a preacher on a Sunday morning in September. Because I'm going to try to push you to a level that you hadn't been in in a while. Because this pandemic says I'm going to change all religion. I'm going to change all churches. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to stop faith. I'm going to stop all this stuff. He just thinks he is. Pandemic, get your little hide on down the road. We'll talk to you later. But right now, we're going to have Jesus have a miracle in our life today before we leave here. I believe that. So what has God gifted you with now or given you that you could be overlooking? These two men used their voices and cried out, Jesus, have mercy on us, son of David. They saw his lineage. They understood he came from the King David, the tribe of Judah. They understood that. I love this. They were saying, Jesus, we may be blind, but we can still see you for who you are. You're not just another teacher. You are the promised Messiah that has come from the lineage of David. And they saw, saw more than a teacher. They saw a God that could touch them. Listen today, because the God you see is the God you're going to get. If you see God as somebody that is far and distant and doesn't hear your petition and prayer, then that's where he's going to stay. But if you see God as up close and personal, and a God that'll come to where you are when you call his name, then you're gonna get the God that you see. When Jesus was in his hometown of Nazareth, they said, oh, I know that young man, that's Joseph's boy, that's the carpenter's son. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and around his own people. The book said he could not do many miracles there, but he laid hands on a few sick folks and he healed them. Listen, a few got what was available to many because they saw him in a different light. Some saw a carpenter and they got their house fixed. Some saw a Christ and they got their life fixed. God have mercy. I wish y'all let me just turn loose and just rear back and preach a little bit. Woo. I, just, I just feel like that we have come to a place in life where we've got to quit seeing him as just some other being. He's up and close with us. We've been through six months of this stuff, but greater is he that's walking with us than he that's walking against us. If you see God as a God who can do exceeding, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or think, then that's the God that you will get. 
That's why when people come to church, they come and get different things, not because God's different, not because he favors people, but because our eyes are open to that kind of God. What do you see this morning? What do you see this morning? Do you see God as the miracle worker in your life? Do you see God as one that can still make it happen? Do you see him as still one that can heal blind eyes and unstop the deaf ear and cause the lame to walk? Or do you see him as just something that's just out there, just some kind of, just some kind of energy in the world? Listen, he is more than an energy in the world. He's a savior of this world. And they ask him, will you have mercy on us? And Jesus said, do you believe I can do this? Could it be that Jesus was asking? Now, that's going to get hard now before it gets better. Because he was trying to find out what their motivation was. Is your motivation desperation or is your motivation faith? Is your motivation on something that you just can't live without? Or is your motivation believing that I can do anything? I have seen a lot of people that I've prayed for and God's healed them and I never saw them again. And God has touched their life and they were baptized and never saw them again. They were going through a desperate time and they didn't see the Lord as they should see the Lord. They saw him as an exit, as a, as a fire escape, as something else. But let me tell you something. Jesus will touch you no matter if you're desperate or no matter if you see him as the Lord. But I promise you. You don't need to come just when desperation all the time. You need to walk in here some mornings when everything's good and you're on top of the mountain and you say, Lord, I love you today because you are still the son of David and you are my Messiah. Come on, somebody. Clap your hands and rejoice in that today. Oh, hallelujah. 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 You guys are following me. Are you following me because you're desperate for an answer to your issue and not that I am the answer to your issue? Yes. Could it be that Jesus is trying to find out if they are committed to an answer or committed to him? My grandmother told me one time, said, son, if eggs goes to $6 a dozen and syrup goes to a dollar a sop and everything's going under, Jesus is still Lord. And if you're on the backside of it all and you can't look up and not see bottom, Jesus is still Lord of it all. She used to set us down and she had a, a razor strop in her hand. And she said, if you don't get this, I'm going to whoop your behind so you will get this. That's what I came up with. And I'm going to see her in heaven one day. She put something in me and if I didn't get it, she made me feel it. I want to tell you without a strap in my hand that God will see your desperation, but I'll tell you what he loves more than that is you seeing him as Messiah. Come on, see him as the Lord. Come on, see him as Messiah. See him as Messiah. I love you, Grandma. Don't, don't take it wrong. The truth is, the conclusions we come to are based on the questions we ask. Jesus can ask some tough questions. You know that, don't you? What are you here for? What do you want? Do you believe I'm able to do this? You need to ask the right questions. In a crisis, questions can be used to ignite, to build, and strengthen your faith. And here's a question for you. Do you believe I'm able to do this? Do you believe that God, even now, is able to do this? Do you believe that God can do what he says he will in 2020? Do you believe he's able? God asked Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? 
That's a great question, God. And the fact is, nothing is impossible with God. I ask you again, do you believe I am able to do this? They answer, yes, Lord. Oh, we go to a whole new quadrant now. It's a whole new one. The third one. Look at this in verse 27. They called him son of David. But in verse 28, they called him Lord. You know, at the last supper, the only one that didn't call Jesus Lord was Judas. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And all of them said, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Judas said, is it I, Master? He could not call Jesus Lord. And I know that we use this sometime as just a word. But the word Lord is not just a word. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. What are you living for? Are you living your life for yourself or are you living it for the Lord's blessing on you? We need to make up our mind because times may not get easier for a little while. But I want to declare to you, there is a Lord that will see us through this. We can't make it by ourselves, but we can make it with the Lord's help. See, when you see Lord in scripture, that's describing God's covenant name. In translation of the word, it's Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah Lord. It's the name God gave Moses when Moses asked him, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. You'll need me to be so much for you, Moses, in the next 40 years. So I'm going to give you a prefix of who I am. I am Jehovah. I'm Lord. And whatever comes after that, that's what I'm going to be for you for the next 40 years. So when you need provision, I'll be Jehovah-Jireh. When you need peace, I'll be Jehovah-Shalom. When you need feel alone, I'll be Jehovah-Shama. And when you need healing, I'll be Jehovah-Rapha. When you guys, when these guys said, yes, Lord, they were saying, hey, God, whatever you were in the Old Testament, that's who you are right now to us. Jesus is Lord. He told Paul on the road to Damascus, when Paul said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I am Jesus. And when Paul got the revelation of the Lord in his life, he turned the world upside down and wrote 14 books of the New Testament. I'm telling you, they said to him, Lord, you're Lord over our eyes. We're going to make you Lord over our eyes. We're going to believe you're going to be our Rapha, our healing of our eyes. We're going to make you Lord, not just the son of, uh, hallelujah, not just the son of David, but the Lord over our eyes. You need to go home today and say, Lord, you're Lord over this house. You need to get up in the morning and say, Lord, you're Lord over this office. You need to get up tomorrow and say, Lord, you're Lord over all my family. We need the Lord to be over everything. We can't trust in the governments of this world. We can't trust in our, in our politicians in this world, but we can trust in the Lord our God. Can somebody help me right now and say you're Lord over CLA? Whatever you need, our God is, period. Our God is all in all. Yes, Lord, they said, and Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And you would think that that would be the end of the story. But I got one more quadrant. I got one more. There's a lot in this little, little scripture here. It doesn't end there. He then reaches out his hand and he touches them. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, the touch of the Lord. And then he tells us that their sight was restored. Now, I did a couple of studies this week while I was preparing this. And I did a study of Mark 8. The Lord touched a man that was blind. And he asked him, what do you see? He said, I said, me and his trees walking. He touched him the second time and he saw clearly. Then I read about a man in John 9 that was born blind. And the Lord came by and said, who sinned? This man or his family, parents, that he was born blind. And, and uh, they said, Lord, we don't know. He said, neither. He was born blind so that the glory of God could be revealed. Do you see how bad God wants to do stuff for you? He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And when the blind man got his healing, he said, I don't know who he was, but he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. He didn't even get the word right. The Lord didn't say that. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He put the wash first and the man put the journey first. But Joshua told the sun to stand still one day and the sun ain't never moved. <laughs> the Lord just said, okay, Joshua, I get it because your faith and your courage is so awesome. I'm just going to stop the earth and let the sun act like you think it's the sun stopped. And the move stopped over the Valley of Agilon. Here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter if you mess up in the prayer and get your tongue tangled up trying to tell God what you need in your life. When you have faith that brings courage in your life and you see him as Lord of your life, God can do anything and he will do anything you need him to do in your life. Somebody say he's Lord. Somebody say he's Lord. Somebody say he's Lord. Everybody say their eyes were restored. Put it up there one time. There's their story. Now that's interesting. Leave it up. It's an interesting word. Because some texts we read it says they were opened. But this one says they were restored. I like this one. The story chooses not to put the word whole, not to put the word well, not to put the word healed, but restored. Research this out and there's a distinction in the scripture between those who have sight restored and those who have been born blind and then healed. I believe that there's a high probability that these men had sight at one time. And they just lost it. They used to be able to see. And then they lost it. They were not born this way. They lost their sight. Here's what I'm saying today. We all have two sets of eyes. We have eyes that give us sight. And we have eyes here that give us vision. Sight and vision. We lose, when you lose your sight, you know it. But when you lose your vision spiritually, it's possible to not realize it. Now let me preach. Here's what I know. Life happens. My question today is has this battle gone longer? Has this thing gone longer than you thought it was going to go? Do you still see today with your vision? Have you lost your sight? Have you lost your sight? Has time robbed you of your sight? The story of Sarah and Abraham's baby was not to tell us about having children at an old age, but to tell us that no matter what people say about the season of your life, do you still see God as able? Is he still able? Is he still able? Well, I'm 85, Caleb said, and I still want that mountain. Is he still able? 
Is he still able? 40 years in the wilderness, Caleb, 40 years, and you want to climb Mount Hebron? You want that mountain? I want it. I'm just 85. Here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't mean that you don't love God. The blind men were pursuing him blindly. We can too, following him, serving in ministry and worshiping and coming to church, but we're blind in our vision. Maybe, just maybe, we're not seeing the way that we used to see. There's so many ways to lose your sight. You can, use your, you can lose your sight due to injury. Sometimes our heart gets injured and we lose our sight. God wants to heal our faith, but you can't build strong faith until you repair damaged faith. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I've been, I've, been, I've been talking to some young ministers here lately that just absolutely, some of them are at their wits end, their roads end. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I have the answer or not. I don't know if I do. But I thank the Lord that I serve does. And I think sometimes people just need you to listen. And I'm doing my best to keep them on top side of the water and not see them drown in their calling. But sometimes we lose vision. We don't feel the heart thump and beat and palpitate with passion. And a little side is lost. A door that you thought was going to open and it didn't. And a little side is lost. Then one day you realize I'm not seeing like I used to see. Battles can do this. But I've come this September Sunday of 2020 to tell you right now, at the beginning of fall, we need to come to God with faith and courage and ask, Lord, I want it back. I want it back. I want to feel that back. I want to feel that I'm, I'm in tune with what's going on. I want to feel that me and you've got a good thing going. I want to feel that you are Lord of my life. I want to have that feeling in my spirit. It's horrible to die before you die. It's horrible to quit before the finish line. It's tough. And there's no reason for it to happen. Lord, I want it back. You need to, what, what you need is to be restored. That thing was so bright in your heart and you were dreaming, you were seeing, you were believing. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus can still touch you. And before you realize that he can restore your sight. We cannot do it without our sight. We need Jesus today to touch us. Today, today, today. You know, it's, uh, I, I started this message today kind of evangelical and I'm ending up pastoral. So I, I guess I, I, I preached a little and now I'm teaching a little, so I'll call it treaching today. I'll mix them. I'm a hybrid. But here's what, here's what I want. I want God to restore the fervor in you. You that's listening online, I want God to touch you in your living rooms. I want God to restore the fervor in you. I want that fervor. I want that, mm. I want that wow factor. I want that giddy up. I want that to happen in your life. You know what I'm talking about. It's what Texas felt last night when they played Leveland High School. It's what they felt last night. They felt that. 
Now we got to just keep them feeling that the rest of the season. But you know what I'm talking about. You know when you're walking down a road and you don't realize and feel that you're doing the right thing and you're not feeling and you're not, you're not expressing yourself and you're not having communications with God. You know that. I'm just bringing it to your senses today. Lord, I want it back. I want it back. I want it back. Would you stand? You're awesome people and I love the fire out of you. Randy, if you'll help me. Uh, Y'all know me as a happy pastor and a happy preacher. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of burdened today, you know. Because I love you as a church and as a group of people. And I love you individually. But I see, I see and I hear people that just kind of shoved it in, said that I've had enough. No, no, can't do that. I want it back, Lord. I want it back. I want, I want my fervor. I want my eyes to be open. I want to see what you're doing in our world. The church is not going to go out with a limp. It's going to go out with a leap. It's not going to go out with grumbling, complaining, and saying, why, God? It's going to go out with, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know what you might ought to pray this week is, Lord, be, be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Just be that, would you? Just be that. I want to ask you to join the wrist with somebody if you don't want to join hands, but I just feel a little closeness in the house today. And I want you to lift your hand to the Lord and let's pray together. Dear Father, I love you today. And Lord, I'm sorry if I've become spiritually blinded and my vision is kind of kind of got shady and the shades are coming down and the sunlight is not shining like it used to in my life and I, 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 I want to get it back, Lord. I want to get it back. I want you to stir my soul. I want you to heal my vision. I want you to touch my vision. I want you to help me. I want you to help me, Lord, today. And Lord, I'm praying that as a pastor. Let me pray right now. I'm praying that as a pastor, Lord. I'm a human being. God, I'm not a, I'm not a hero. I'm a human being. And God, I, I want to be the preacher and the pastor that can lead. Pastor Brad wants to be the preacher and the pastor that can lead this church and bring this church to a fulfillment. God, we need you to be the Lord of our life. Now bless us today, help us today. You see people in their homes right now, God, that are wiping tears from their eyes because they want it back. They want it back. They want it back. I see people next door, Lord, that are doing the same, wiping tears because they want it back. And people in this house, God, are wiping tears, they want it back. We want to live fully. We want to live holy. We want to, we want to live right. We want to live committed, committed, committed. We want to live with courage, with courage. That we're not going to let something that the world has made up to hurt the church. Because this church is not of this world. It's of another world. Jesus made and built this church. 
Now I bless this congregation today. I bless them as they leave. I bless them as they come again this next Sunday. Thank you for baptism Sunday that's coming up. Thank you, Lord, because lives are gonna be changed on that day. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Because they're gonna rise up out of that water and call you Lord of their life, and that's so beautiful, Jesus. And I love you, Lord, because of what the ladies are gonna do Friday night week. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the glow conference that's gonna happen. God bless us. Take us in to October, November, and December. Let us have that beautiful new church next door. And let us come out of this thing. Let us rejoice. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise your hand and say, Lord, you're Lord of my life. You are my provider. In Jesus' name. Amen. On your way out, if you have something to give, please give. You're awesome people. I love you tons, tons, tons. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Be blessed mightily today. I love you. God bless you.